Hello, you're listening to Artspin on Sin Nation with myself, Christian, this afternoon, and I'm very happy to be joined uh, by Fiona Cochran, producer and director of the film 25 Tracks. Thank you so much for joining us today, Fiona. Thank you. Wonderful. Oh, pleasure to talk to you, yeah. So, yeah, could you tell us just a little bit of a brief overview of um, 25 tracks, you know, from initial idea to where the film's at, yeah, now during the festival? Yep. Well, it was actually, it's actually been a very uh, long process in mm. getting the film made, and it was, it was not an initial idea of, as such as a film. Mm. I knew it's a film that's about two filmmakers, Nick Larkins and Kath Sheehan, and I had worked with or had filmed Nick on a previous documentary where he was playing music, a music documentary. And he and Kath decided to try and do this project where they just took a year off work and uh, set up a little studio on a train, a bit of an unusual sort of one, and tried to write a popular song every two weeks was the aim. So they would sort of write and put it together in one week and record and mix and output it the second week. Hence the sort of 25, they were aiming to do 25 in a year. So this was a project they were sort of trying to do. And Nick approached me to film some of it to try and just put something together, not being sure at all at that point what was going to happen and what um, would result from it. But just so some of it could be documented and perhaps used, you know, for publicity or for something to do with the project. Um, so it, was, it had a very vague beginning, uh, but we just went along over a period of time, probably a few days of each fortnight, you know, getting bits of the process. We weren't there for the whole time, of course. And without giving the whole idea of what, come, what happens during it away, mm. it, I'll just say that it didn't work out as they hoped it would. So we ended up doing, you know, a considerable amount of filming and... They did a considerable amount of music making that we documented, but then the whole project really came to an end for quite a while, and I really just sat on the material and then went, well, we've got a whole lot of good stuff here. So I went back and re-interviewed them really a couple of years later about how things had gone and what had happened. And so we then, myself and the editor, Sue Curry, put the project together, but again in downtime between other jobs and things we were doing. So again, that editing process took a while to get done between our other things. So the whole process really ended up taking, you know, close to five years to get finished, to get a documentary finished from us. But, you know, it's it's a it's a musical documentary. It's light. You know, Nick and Kath are very amusing, so there's a lot of humour in it and um, hopefully a lot of good music and a lot of discussion about surviving as a musician in Melbourne. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah, just, just from the trailer, I could see that um, Nick and Kath, they've, yeah, they've got this wonderful chemistry between them, a lot of yin and yang, kind of, at least with their, like, musical sort of um, specialisations and preferences as well that works really well, I think, yeah. Was that sort of something, I guess, you noticed from, you know, quite early on that that would sort of, yeah, really, like, feed well into, into a documentary, this kind of connection they had? Yeah, well, look, I, because I knew Nick, I knew that Nick was a very amusing fellow to start with. Mm. So, you know, that was part of, apart from the fact I knew he was a good musician, um, I, you know, thought that probably the sort of stuff we get would be good from him. I didn't know Cass, so I didn't know what was going to happen between them, but they knew each other, so they already had a relationship, you know, which is why they decided to do this together. They thought they could get it to work together. And, yes, but from very early on it became clear that they did have... You know, a good way of... Kath sort of plays a straight person sending Nick up a lot of the time. Um, 
and Nick is a sort of more overtly funny person amongst the two of them with stuff. Mm. And, um, yeah, sort of as I briefly alluded to before, they do have, um, yeah, quite different, uh, yeah, like musical preferences and specialisations, just like in the trailer. I remember there's, there's that part where um, Nick is drawing the, <laughs> the Venn diagram yeah. from, yeah, you know, my mind is like Black Sabbath and yours is like, he says sound and music, I think that's the grab that he yeah. used there. Um, yeah. yeah, so what was it like to sort of watch that sort of, yeah, two people with such different musical backgrounds coming together to collaborate on this? Well, well, yes, they both have those, but in mm-hmm. the Venn diagram, as he says, there is a lot of intersecting music that they both share that's actually really good. Particularly, probably, there's a lot of music that goes back to the 60s and some of those sort of things. So while they do have some sort of quite widely diverging tastes, they also have a lot of converging tastes as well, mm-hmm. too, that are actually quite good and shared. So they actually work very well together, but they each you know, pull each other in different directions that they might not normally go into because of the other the other person. Oh, nice. Um, and I also noticed that uh, you, you were referring to it as um, popular music in there, not, um, not pop music. So, um, yeah, I guess is, is that sort of deliberate, saying, like, popular rather than pop? I guess there's a certain oh, connotation attached to pop. Oh, look, no, it is pop music. And they, oh, they yeah. were a bit unabashed about saying, look, we're trying mm. to do pop music at the moment rather than trying to... You know, there were, there were certain band words, words that were banned, I should say. Banned might sound like a group um, <laughs> but they had like Nick didn't want to ever do jazz you know he sort of finds jazz music more pretentious so he was trying to not do jazz but then they ended up putting jazz flute through a piece of music so there were all the time they were talking about different referencing different types of music and styles that they liked or didn't like for different reasons and but you know coming up often with different things to what they had would have expected all right, and um, getting back to some of the language you used before there as well, um, surviving the music industry in Melbourne, I believe is what you said, surviving. Interesting kind of, yeah, that's, do you feel like for yeah, certain musicians in Melbourne, maybe including um, Nick and Kath and the other ones from the documentary, that it's a tough place, I guess, to, to be a musician? Look, I think it's a tough place to be any artist mm. in Australia, really, and survive financially as an artist in Australia, whether or not you're a visual artist, a musician, a filmmaker or whatever, you know, if particularly if you're not doing highly commercial sort of stuff, I think it's it's always difficult. And so to sort of try and do the things that you want to do becomes tricky, which is what, you know, most people who work in the arts often work in another job, which is what both Nick and Kath had always done. They'd always taught, you know, being music teachers or done a variety of things in an allied area generally, but, you know, not necessarily. You know, Kath has done a lot of admin and other sort of things as well, but probably music teaching would be the biggest thing. You know, Nick's worked in lots of guitar shops and other sort of things because his main instrument is guitar. So this was their opportunity to try and survive financially just on their music. Wow. Um, which, yeah, I, th- I think is a hard thing to do in Australia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, from um, from your own personal experience as well. Can you? It sounds like you can definitely relate to that. Yeah, w- working in the arts and trying to support yourself financially. Look, I'm I'm one of the lucky people who has a job that pays reasonably that I do part time. So I can support myself in in making films to some extent. However. You know, I have lots of friends in the film industry where that has been extremely difficult for them, particularly when you start getting older and have families and mortgages and other sort of things. Mm. So, no, it's hard. 
Mm, yeah, and you said um, you got lucky, you said. So do you, what do you think it is, I suppose, that sort of takes you to that point? Like, is a lot of it luck or is it, you talked about, you know, sometimes you need to do more commercial sort of projects or is there a bit of compromise as well in there maybe? Well, yeah, they, yeah. And, and some people do survive in the industry, whatever mm-hmm. you know, creative industry that happens to be, via doing the more commercial work for the money and then do some of the other perhaps less commercial work for the passion and the love of it. So everybody finds different ways, but it is hard to survive just on what you want to do. And I mean, that was something that they were just wanting to try and see if they could. And they knew that this was a luxury that most people don't get to do, but they were wanting to see if they could. Mm. And um, the other musicians they work with as part of um, these, yeah, let's just say 25 tracks. Yeah, it seemed like, were they sort of coming to it for the same reason that like I guess the day jobs you might say that they sort of had seemed to be quite yes. wide-ranging yeah yeah they were quite wide-ranging some of them were musicians and singers basically mm-hmm. Nick and Kat can't sing <laughs> which they would be very <laughs> happy to admit to they've got mm-hmm. terrible voices um but they got a good singer they got a sing- different singers on for each track so they mm-hmm. had a range from you know, recorded artists like Monique Brumby to they advertised and got various people sending in demos and there was a guy who's an electrician and a guy who, you know, so there are a whole range of different people with different levels of musical involvement who came on as the singers. Mm. And I, I also happen to know this um, sort of in the other media coverage for this, it's been stressed quite strongly that like, this isn't um, like a reality TV sort of thing. No, not yeah. at all. <laughs> no. Even though, you know, it seems a bit, you know, like that's a common sort of setup for like a talent show is, uh, or, or, or yeah, like other reality shows is, you know, this is their day job and this is their sort of hobby that they want to turn into, but this isn't, yeah. So what, what do you think it is? Yeah, instead, no, look, it's really? not that, but they did, <laughs> again, who knows whether it was a good or a bad idea, but they decided at the beginning to set up this, we're going to do it in two weeks and do 25 and stuff. A little bit as a gimmick to try and appeal to people to sort of come on board and help support them, you know, but also just to challenge themselves and to make them, rather than just take off a year and lounge around and go, oh, yeah, I'll do this, they had to get there and write a song in that day or two days that they gave themselves. So they, you know, and they had to stick to their schedules and get those things done, which otherwise often can drift along a bit. Yeah, yeah, because um, especially, like, you were talking about sort of working on the reason why this film is taken so long as you're you sort of editing it in between other jobs and other projects and things so do you find with yourself as well it's important to have that kind of imposed structure to actually force you to get the job done uh look yes and no for me because i have another part-time job i can only work part-time the majority of the time and you know with family and various things over the years it's been convenient to sort of work in a more part-time manner for me being a filmmaker uh no but but i no, I generally am fairly reasonable at sticking to what I have to do, but I haven't. I try not to set myself. I don't know that I'd set myself a task of trying to do a song written and fully made and produced in two weeks each week, each fortnight for a year. It was a pretty was a pretty big, <laughs> ambitious idea for the start. Yeah, definitely. So it's yeah. You, you, I guess you're probably very impressed with um people who did agree to yeah, like this kind of undertaking that um were part of the documentary. Obviously, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for most of them, it was just coming along for one song, mm-hmm. so it wasn't a big undertaking for most of the other people. There was another uh, member of the band who was a drummer who came along, you know, once a fortnight and did the drum tracks. 
you know, so there were a couple of consistent musicians that came with them, but for the most part it was Nick and Kat, and they did nearly everything themselves. So Nick is a very good guitarist. He plays all sorts of different guitar, including bass. Kat plays bass. They both play a bit of organ. They both play all sorts of other instruments. They had a range of toy instruments that they liked using. Mm. So they were doing a whole... They were doing most of it themselves. You know, the drummer The drummer they got in and they got occasionally a sax player or somebody else doing specific things on a song. All right, wow. So if there were... I mean, we, we were talking before about, like, the connection between the two of them. So um, also, I suppose, like, them spending this amount of time, yeah, working so closely with, with each other and with sort of the two of them as being, like, one of the few constants within, um, like, all these different tracks. It was, it was interesting to see, um, I guess, how, like, their working relationships sort of evolved and how well they, they got to know each other or better they got to know each other over this process. Yeah, no, and while they knew each other mm-hmm. reasonably and had played in a band together, I think there, there was a very steep learning curve about... <laughs> You know, actually working with each other, which mm. I think was positive for both of them, and they're still working together. So, oh, you know, that's that's been a good thing. Oh, perfect. This is probably do have to uh, wrap up soon, but I was just I was just curious because um you meant you mentioned a couple of times there um sort of how um having a family and having children um I guess impacts on your sort of career in the arts. So yeah, what what uh, I suppose what if you like talking from you know personal experience and um and the experiences of the yeah um Kath and Nick and the other musicians in the documentary um how does it yeah how does having a family um yeah like change your sort of artistic career or endeavours yeah well I guess it probably depends for different people mm. and Nick and Kath don't have kids but uh, for me personally it limits quite a few of the sorts of films I can make or I I can't go away for months on end, you know, like many filmmakers may do for a documentary or for something else, you know, I can only go away for more limited periods to shoot and to do particular things if I need to. So it's those sort of things. I have to choose projects where I can fit the two together a bit more easily. And I guess everybody finds, you know, different ways in, in terms of how how they deal with that and how much childcare and other sort of things they get. So that becomes a bit more of an individual choice. But it certainly means that there are certain film projects I might like to go and do, but I can't. Mm. Is that, mm. yeah, is that a difficult thing to... Um, well, yeah. look, it, but, you know, we all, we all have different things in our lives, be it that, that you know, alter the way we're... We adapt to what we're able to do, you know, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's other obligations, whether it might be parents or different sort of things or physical or disabilities or other sort of things. We all have sort of limitations on us in terms of everything we can do, but we just try and do the best with what we can. Fantastic. Well, um, thanks so much for chatting me today, Fiona. And um, any last things you wanted to say about um, 25 tracks? And Oh, yeah, of course. Um, also, do let us know uh, when and where we can see it as part of the um, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. Um, yes, it is on at, I believe, at Long Play at 6.30 next Saturday, the 15th of July, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And I think Long Play is quite a small cinema and bar and things so mm-hmm. I don't know what the ticket sales and things are like but it's not a, it's not a really big cinema alright so getting quick basically getting quick <laughs> <laughs> um, alright well yeah thanks so much and um, best of luck with um, the, the rest of the film's release and uh, yeah well, everything in the future for you thanks very much Chris